Welcome along to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead and I'm joined as usual by Greg Lance Watkins. The ongoing pandemic has led to a revolution in working from home across Britain and it's clear this change is here to stay. In this week's podcast, Greg and I ask, is this a good thing? Greg, there was a report released recently called Homeworking in the UK before and during the 2020 lockdown, and it revealed that 88% of employees who worked from home during lockdown would like to continue doing so in some capacity, with 47% wanting to do so often or even all of the time. And I think once they came to terms with the initial period of adjustment at the start of lockdown in March, they settled into a much happier daily routine that they're more than willing to stick with in the future. I agree. Um, Long before all of this COVID and uh, lockdowns and so on started, uh, I've had mostly women friends whose job was working online from home with things like skip tracing. Mm. And they never went into the office. They used to just log in. And they'd have a schedule of people they're trying to skip trace on the amount. And they would collect in the money where they could from home for X number of hours a day. They didn't even have to work, for instance, a 40-hour week. Yeah, well, one of the things I'm finding at the moment is both male and female friends of mine, particularly those who work in uh, offices in town and city centres, is that their daily routine has completely changed as a result of this. Now, what I mean by that is after enjoying an extra hour in bed in the morning, they put on their around-the-house sort of clothes, they sit down to a relaxing breakfast with their families, men don't have to worry about ironing a shirt, women don't have to spend time sorting out their hair and their makeup, the boss insists that they've logged on to the online portal at a set time, the email and phone is on hand if you have any questions or if there are any problems, Office team meetings are conducted via Zoom or Skype. At lunchtime, particularly before the weather turned as we got into the autumn, people have enjoyed an hour in their gardens at lunchtime before returning to work in the afternoon. And when they finally log off at the portal at 5 p.m., they put the log off button. That is their day done. Now compare that to the world we lived in before March of having to pay for an overpriced rail season ticket, which saw commuters packed onto crowded trains like cattle. For millions of Brits, the train journey to work each morning meant getting up before sunrise to catch the train, which in turn was often late. Having their head up someone's armpit as they held onto the handrail on the train. Those who drove to work faced long periods stuck in traffic jams. Um, The house price inflation of the last 25 years meant that uh, people often live far further away from their place of work than in the past. Um, And people who say, oh, hasn't the privatisation of rail been a huge success? Well, in reality, the reason that there's been such a huge number of extra people on the trains in the last 25 years is precisely for that reason, that they, people are living far further from their place of work than in the past because of house price inflation. But the reality for millions was a long and unpleasant daily commute, after which they would arrive at work tired and agitated, and come 5pm they would face a similarly arduous journey home. They'd spend the evening exhausted. And why would they want to go back to that? Working from home during the last six months or so has given them a much happier work-life balance. Oh, I agree with you. And I've always advocated it. I've been very fortunate in life. I've never had a job uh, where I commuted into an office. Uh, 
it wouldn't have lasted long if I have, had had. Um, just one quick little tip for people, however, who are working from home on the telephone or on Zoom or in any other way. Put a mirror by your computer. It is amazing how you can hear people's facial expressions over the phone. Very true, very true. And, and it, it's something you're not aware of if you're pulling faces or rolling your eyes. I do know what you mean by that. But there's something, um, there was this push, wasn't there, in late August, early September, um, which, which has now been backtracked on by the UK government of trying to get people back into the office, albeit not particularly successfully. And Lord Sugar said in his column in The Sun a few weeks ago, um, to quote him, he said, like my returning employees, they will find the workforce raring to go. They'll find their staff will be more creative, better trained, and it will be better for their mental health. That was what he said about the return to the office. Now, how very conscientious of him. What Lord Sugar omitted to mention was that companies he owns, particularly Amsprop, make a fortune from renting out office space. And if homeworking becomes the new normal for millions of people, it will cost him a massive sum of money in lost rent. And the loss of town centre office blocks means a lack of custom for nearby coffee shops where you buy your takeaway latte or the convenience store where people buy their cigarettes or their newspaper or whatever on their way to work in the morning. And Lord Sugar's personal interests aside, people listening to this might not care very much about businesses vacating the London office blocks and the way so many parts of the capital have already been turned into ghost towns because of this. But this becomes a problem because there's a very good chance that your private pension is dependent on the performance of the companies that own those buildings. If those property businesses fail, your pension will likely take a big hit. So what I'm getting at, Greg, the ramifications are actually enormous. It's a changing world. Uh, this is today's industrial revolution. Um, this is the urbanization being reversed. Uh, these are all great problems for people to adjust to, uh, for uh, large companies to adjust to. Some won't make it. This, for instance, um, points out just how completely and utterly frivolous HS2 is. Yeah, well, this, this is true. And also in terms of here in Wales, where I live and you're across the other side of the border, but it affects you because of the location of it, was this uh, relief road near, in the area near the Seven Bridge in Gwent. Uh, we know the area around the, Brin the Bringlass Tunnel used to get very congested and the Welsh government wasted over £100 million pounds, uh, on various consultations over a period of many years before deciding not to build it. Well, things have got a little bit lucky for them in one sense, because if this turns out to be a permanent change, and I think it will be, then that road wouldn't have been needed anyway. There was a tweet I saw the other day, somebody who lives in Caerleon in Gwent, uh, works in Cardiff, said that the journey now takes about 20 minutes, whereas the area around the Bringlass Tunnel, that would have been unthinkable before. So there are implications in terms of transport. HS2 was always a white elephant. It's looking even more so as one now. But in the current context of this ongoing COVID pandemic, and by the way, we are still very much in that, working from home suits both the employer and the employee. Lord Sugar has said that social distancing measures have been put in place at his Loughton offices in Essex. Well, good for him. But for millions of other employers 
rearranging offices in such a way that social distancing can be maintained along with other safety measures means there simply isn't room for all the staff to be in the office the way they would have been before March. The company also prefers not to take the risk of COVID spreading in the office with the legal implications and the decreased number of staff that would bring as well. So from the employee's point of view, the official advice was to still to travel to work by walking, cycling or by car. For most people, that means by car. But years of anti-car policies in town and city centres around the UK mean that car parking is now prohibitively expensive if done every day. A £20 daily car parking charge means £100 a week or £400 per month. A very, very large number of people cannot afford to do that. And that's without even mentioning the additional London congestion charge of £15 per day. So what I'm getting at, Greg, is for both the employer and the employee, this arrangement, particularly in the current climate, has worked very well. I agree entirely. However, it's not working particularly well for the Lord Sugars, who are looking to let more property because if you've got a thousand employees working in a building um, in a clerical function type operation and they now all need a two meter gap between them at a minimum you're probably looking at needing three times as much office space as Lord Sugar rubs his hands with glee. Mm. The other thing that hasn't been noticed yet um, that I'm aware of is if you get a case of COVID in the office and somebody is asymptomatic, um, you know, the modern day typhoid Mary, you can then find yourself with your workforce more than decimated. Uh, you suddenly find that a third of your workforce is off sick. You are now suddenly in a position where your costs are such that if that happened to you twice in a given period, you might well find even large companies couldn't sustain the damage done. So there is an advantage from the employer's point in not having their staff brought together. Because if it really runs rampant through their staff, they are going to have a very major problem, one that could bankrupt them. A very good point indeed. And as we know, trains and buses are operating at well below capacity. And realistically, most of us would consider spending more than about half an hour with a face mask on to be an unpleasant experience. And after around that time, they become moist and soggy. And workers, especially those who spend time living with or caring for elderly relatives, are understandably nervous about becoming carriers of the virus and want to spend as little time as possible in close proximity to those outside their household for the time being at least. So yes, this, this thing is mutually beneficial. Um, and as you say, it will have ramifications well beyond in terms of the demand for public transport and the subsidies needed for public transport, not just now, but looking well into the future. And I think something to look at the bigger picture here, 10 years ago, this would have been a different story because um, 
fiber broadband hadn't expanded the way, to anything like the extent it has now. And there was still quite a lot of broadband bad areas in those days. There's still some now, obviously, as, as you know, to your cost. But 10 years ago, there were just a lot of areas where the broadband really wasn't that good. We are that much better connected now and will get better connected as the years go on. I think if COVID had just never happened, this may have been a gradual change that came across and took place over the course of the next decade. But this, I think, 2020 will be seen as the year. A process that was very gradually happening anyway has been speeded up quite considerably. I think something that you've got to realise is that 5G is going to change everybody's life totally. Can you just give one or two examples of that? I know we've, done, we've talked about 5G in a separate podcast some months ago now, but just well, give one or two examples. For instance, uh, there's some, uh, a piece of hospital equipment called a Da Vinci machine. Uh, this is literally plugged up to an individual, i.e. positioned in such a manner uh, that the surgeon repairs to the other side of the room and sits with a huge television screen in front of him and performs the entire operation on a television screen using a da Vinci machine. Well, that's great. Your surgeon is um, possibly uh, earning somewhere in the region of 100 to 150,000 pounds a year as a surgeon. And he is performing operations like um, prostate removal, um, treatment for uh, sterilization of women with the closing of the fallopian tubes, um, a removal of ovaries, uh, even hysterectomies. And to take the really extreme, uh, there, are, there is a medical institution in France that is removing for women who are models and need the perfect figure, are removing the bottom rib in the rib cage to improve their figure. Mm. And so as to have no scar on the body, they are doing this intravaginally, laparoscopically, this can be done on a machine. Mm. Now, uh, that may make your eyes water a little bit, but when you think that with 5G and real time, the surgeon can be sitting in his office in the Argentine and performing the operation in Hull. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So with those changes, Let's start out with the simple ones, like more people working from home and continuing to. Let us humanitize our cities by making them less pressure, less condensed, and less relevant, so that people, even their local office of the company they work from, for is much closer to their home. Yeah. And already we're seeing companies in the big conurbations who said, well, actually, we don't need this incredibly expensive property in the middle of uh, this 
capital city or this regional city. Let's have a regional office, um, five of them across the country. Yeah, and I think what the office could become uh, is, a, is a sort of small hub that you go to from time to time for your appraisals or for a bit of face-to-face -face training as part of a team or whatever. But it certainly won't be something you need to go to every day or even every week or, dare I say, even every month. It'll be something you go to from time to time and the office will be something far smaller because people aren't all there at the same time. We've got a few minutes left now and I would, of course, say that there are, of course, downsides to working from home large numbers of people meet their future husband or wife while at work and that opportunity to connect with like-minded people will now largely be lost and for those who live alone interaction with work colleagues is a vital part of avoiding social isolation and most seriously of all and i'd like you to address this point in the time we got left please those in abusive relationships see work as a refuge and confiding in colleagues is often an important first step in getting themselves away from that situation and i think if if working from home becomes the norm we as a society need to have measures in place better measures than we have now to get people out of unsafe unhappy dangerous situations uh, that's because we have attuned to doing it that way uh, we can just as readily um, permit people the opportunity to make decisions in their own life that don't mean to say that they are under the constant pressure of leaving the house at a given time every morning to catch a train. Mm. Uh, that's one of the pressures. Uh, and then, for instance, the husband who works away an hour's commute, uh, who comes home and makes accusations of his wife as to what she has been doing yeah uh, but the, yeah but there's there's a point here isn't there you, you we, we've all known instances of this where you can tell from a work colleague their behavior their demeanor their attitude uh, bruises keep appearing on them and what have you sometimes it's your colleagues are the first to notice when things have gone very wrong for you at home and things might not be right and you need help getting out of that situation if you're working from home all day long that might be lost and we need to be aware of that as a society is what i'm saying uh, you may also find that more people fall into that category on the old syndrome of for better for worse but not for lunch oh yeah i, I take i take that point but i am saying that i am very very and perhaps because you you've you haven't worked in an office environment for many, many years. It, it is the case that you do notice when things aren't right with your colleagues. They're often, it's often the, work, the people you work with who are the first to spot that you're not in a good situation at home. And I think that is something we need to be aware of if home working becomes the norm. But to conclude then, um, when one set of doors closes, others open, the ability to work from home and from rural areas the convenience of online shopping and the comparative ease with which we can set up an online business will result in opportunities, and you mentioned 5G as well, that would have seemed unthinkable even a decade ago. And few of us really like change. It means letting go of the familiar and the routine, and to an extent at least taking a leap into the unknown. But that same change can also transform our lives for the better. And working from home is here to stay. It's a mixed bag, which we both alluded to, but it is time to embrace it. My thanks to Greg. My thanks to you for listening. Join us again next time.
Indeed, and I shall be working from home in the meantime.